Is No Time to Die a step forward, or do we still have a sexist Bond? Two critics go head-to-head, Daryushka Ivanzada and Bond fan Peter Bradshaw. But I, I think it's interesting on the, the other great sexism point is sometimes the Bond franchise, for all its specious attempts to get with the times, sometimes it seems to be doing more than, than other genres. Isn't that because James Bond is this, he's held up as this, I mean, ridiculous as he is, aspirational ideal of British masculinity. So it's sort of, you know, that he's changing with the times. Maybe, but also I think he's absurd. chat to Lashana Lynch about playing the first female 007. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith. And this week, we're chatting about No Time to Die. Directed by Kerry Joji Pukanaga, the long-awaited Bond film is Daniel Craig's last and sees him coming back from retirement in Jamaica to face a new villain played by Rami Malek. The past isn't dead. Lea Seydoux is back as his love interest, Madeleine Swan, and Ana de Armas joins the franchise as Paloma. James, fate draws us back together. Now your enemy is my enemy. His name is Safin. And what does he want? Revenge. Me. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. You can imagine why I've come back to play. But here at Girls on Film, we are most excited about the fact that Captain Marvel star Lashana Lynch has been cast as an agent called Nomi, who's been given the title of 007 in Bond's absence. Before I saw the film at the premiere at the Royal Albert Hall, I caught up with Lashana to ask her more. Lashana, welcome back to Girls on Film. Thank you. I was just thinking, gosh, I had such a good time speaking to you last time and have to speak to you. Bless you. I remember you singing the theme tune, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I literally just sang that before you, yeah, before speaking to you. So I'm glad you, you came it. into the room singing it. I loved it. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. And what a time you've had since then. Massive congratulations. Thank How you. are you feeling? Good. I feel really good. I feel solid and proud and excited that we actually get to celebrate this moment. Oh my gosh. Well, I have not seen uh, the film yet, but what can you tell us about your character at this stage? I can tell you that she shakes things up in the franchise. She is just by her mere presence, pushing the needle forward and um, really nodding towards narratives that I think the industry need to be focusing more on. But Nomi is um, really highly skilled, confident, funny, witty, a little bit awkward, outspoken, but just a ninja basically. She's a ninja who also is a real human being. Amazing. What a combination. Well, that's not the first thing I thought you'd take off, but... uh... Yeah. You seem like a man who's gagging for some action, Mr Bond. Shall we cut to the chase? I'm here as a professional courtesy. Well, you're not very courteous, are you? You've broken my card. 
It's Commander Bond. You know that. Double O? Two years. Very young. I achieve that. Oh, Jesus Christ. The world's moved on since he retired, Commander Bond. Perhaps he didn't notice. No, can't say I had. And in my humble opinion, the world doesn't change very much. You had to say that. Look, this all seems like heaven. This little bubble, or whatever. <laughs> but it's so obvious you're a man who only has time to kill. Nothing to live for. Talk to me a bit about the progress of, of that character from when you were cast and the conversations you were having. And how did she evolve in the chats that you were having? Well, when I was cast, I didn't know who I was playing, which is how... Mm. It goes down with a lot of franchises. I was just happy to be auditioning and talking to Barbara Broccoli again after I'd worked with her on a play called Ear for Eye on, at the Royal Court. Meeting Carrie, speaking to Daniel, it just felt like, if anything shall, you know, not go down with this, at least I've had a nice experience with them. Um, but the, the character was, I think, still evolving. And it's nice that they almost waited to see who they were casting to develop her. And then Phoebe Waller-Bridge got on board and I thought, oh gosh, oh yeah, we can get London in there, the awkwardness, we can get the wittiness, the humour, everything that I sometimes am and everything that is relatable, she writes for. So it was kind of, it worked out perfectly. I'll tell you how excited I am to the thought of a Bond film with the input of both you and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, <laughs> that bodes, bodes really well. Um, did you, I mean, did you have any reservations at first about joining a franchise which is obviously known for being quite masculine in many ways? You know what? I did think at the beginning that if I was going to join this franchise, they must have something really unique up their sleeve because in order for a producer to have just worked with me and seen my work in the theatre, know my work on screen, they must know that there's, there's something that I can bring. And, and me knowing Barbara Broccoli now, I think in retrospect, she, she, saw, she saw something like an opportunity to create something quite sparky and special with this new character coming into the franchise. So I didn't have reservations. I just trusted that whatever was going to happen was going to push the needle forward. Well, Barbara's a great supporter of the podcast and I'm, I'm very excited of what she's trying to do and move things forward, as you say, with the Bond franchise. And what do you think this role means for the representation of black women on screen as well? It's quite literally everything, everything, being a black woman and working class Londoner, Jamaican, um, you know, have worked long and hard in my career. I didn't just fall out of the sky and drop into a Bond movie. All of those things is exactly what women, especially young women these days, are experiencing. They aspire to be something, but also maybe come from a background that hasn't championed them or hasn't taught them that something like this is something that could they could easily do so by her even being an idea on the page by Nomi then eventually being such such a massive and important part of this film it, it really teaches our young girls and our young black girls to really keep their eyes open because every lane every industry is there for the taking and I really hope that Nomi is able to help teach them that how do you think that Bond as a character has evolved over the years when it comes to his interactions with women? And I obviously haven't seen the film yet, but I'm assuming that he evolves a little bit more in this one. 
oh, he has no choice. (laughs) (laughs) With you around. (laughs) Oh, yeah, literally. Me and the other women in the film, we we don't hold back. They are really opinionated, uh, outspoken, um, put him on the spot, make him think even quicker than he's ever thought. And he has no time, (laughs) as cliche as it sounds, he has no time for dilly-dallying around he has to just keep up with these powerful women who have agency and who are not taking anything lying down quite literally they they are ready they were forward moving and and they're ready to be as sit in their powerful and authentic self so his reaction to them has to be forward it has to be advanced It, it forces him to really consider what he's saying before he speaks, what he does before he acts, which is a great position for these women to put him in. I love you that you bring out the other women in the film, because again, you know, Bond movies aren't necessarily known for their sisterhood, but I'm sensing from what you're saying that that's different in this one as well. For sure. There's a really nice well, couple of moments actually between um, Nomi and Moneypenny at MI6, which I believe is in the trailer. And also there's, yeah, a couple of moments between... Um, between Nomi, let us do. I can't wait to see her. Yeah, between between all of the characters, actually, I think me and Anna share a small moment. Um, there's all, there's just between physical connections and energetic connections. It just feels like um, they they all supporting each other from afar at the very least. You feel like there's no competition. There's no you know them being against each other. It's all level playing and there's room for everybody. So this is definitely going to pass the Bechdel test. I'm getting a sense of that. Oh yeah, easily. Excellent. (laughs) Um, Now, of course, you're the first female 007 um, and there was a huge amount of press around that. Why do you think people are so fixated on the question of whether there will be a female bond? Well, her being one of the first female 00s in the 00 programme is one, something to celebrate, but also can sometimes be a bit of a threat, I think, because, you know, here we are with a white male who has been in charge for a very long time. And then you get Money Penny, for example, who has come in and she was on the field at one point. And then you get Nomi coming in, who comes from the same program, but has different skills to bond. It just feels like we're threatening the fabric of the nation, which I think is very exciting. It's something that we, almost as women should be radical about and we should threat. We should say we've arrived, find a space for me, make it work, carve it out. And, and I think that's what we've kind of bulldozed our way in and, and done. We've not just, again, landed from the sky. We have been standing on our square for a long time as women. And now we get to exist in our full glory, which is incredible. There's a young lady in Santiago I want you to meet. You're late. When you're ready. Salute. I met your new double O. She's a disarming young woman. I get why you shot him. Yeah, well, everyone tries at least once. You mentioned how it would feel, obviously, as the young black women watching this, but what, what effect do you think this is going to have on young men watching this? Do you think it's so important to kind of shape the minds of boys about, you know, what women are capable of and what kind of archetypes or or not archetypes they're seeing on screen? A hundred percent. I think there were some really warped representations of women across history, but in different industries. Um, But in this one in particular, in cinema, 
we find that there's the slick woman, the quote unquote sexy woman, the vixen. We have so many roles that we've had to fulfill for the sake of men that now younger men especially get to learn something new from the beginning. So they're going to grow up with this, this wave of women who are just existing as human beings, not as um, objects, not as um, women who don't speak, you know, aren't able to speak out or not empowered. They're literally standing in their truth and allowing older men to really unlearn some things that were really warped, that never, ever made sense. Um, and I know every era has, has, you know, a different way of thinking, but it's especially um, important right now to reshape and thank history for coming forward to this point, but reshape it so that we're all on the same page. So women aren't just fighting for their rights on their own. Men are doing it whilst we're not even in the room. I want to know that men are at, having a seat at the table like they always do, but speaking up for us without us even knowing and not taking credit for it. 100%. Um, what kind of reactions have you had from our male allies, let's say, about you, to your casting, positive reactions? Oh, I've had, that's a really good question. <laughs> it's a lot of power. Wow. So powerful. <laughs> Amazing. Ooh, the way you swing that weapon. <laughs> a lot of that, <laughs> which is, which is funny. And I'm, and I'm grateful. Um, but they've, I think they've reacted a lot to her, her lightheartedness, how she's able to be powerful, but also lighthearted and real, um, I think has been my, my main takeaway from their reactions. Excellent. Tell me when you were filming, was there any moment where you just kind of pinched yourself and went, oh my gosh, I'm here playing this character in a Bond film? I have a real habit of really throwing things away. Like I'll meet someone really important and be like, oh, it's fine. It's just, you know, it's just, a, it's not a big deal. It's fine. I guess to make myself feel comfortable. So I'm not my eyeballs aren't sweating as I'm looking at them. Um, but I, I think just shooting at Pinewood Studios and really feeling the vibrations of the history that's that's gone down before me is incredible. So to stand on the Bond set and just have a second to think and look around, see all the departments working, see all of the explosions firing off around you, you're like, wow, everyone in every department is here to serve this one moment that I'm a part of. And I'm going to be immortalizing this moment forever on screen. It's, it's, it's incredible. I think, I think there were a few moments like that, not that I can truly remember, but a lot of the action sequences for, for sure, because they're so iconic. What were the challenges of the action sequences? Any incidents or accidents? No, you know what? The stunt team um, said that usually people have some kind of accident, some kind of injury. And they went, you know, this is one of the first times that we've worked with someone who hasn't had an injury. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Well done. <laughs> so I, yeah, I kept, I kept very well and healthy during, during that time, which I'm grateful Glad for. Glad to hear it. Yeah. And were there any moments when you were filming, when you were continuing to have conversations about uh, this is how your character would behave? Um, was there any, was it all very set in stone in terms of the script or was there room for manoeuvre if on, on on the day you felt, okay, that's not really her, that's not how I see her? 
Ah, yes, there was. There was. There's a moment I remember actually um, when Phoebe was on set, and I'd I was rereading the scene the night before, and there was something that was sticking out to me, but I couldn't put pinpoint it that morning I still couldn't pinpoint it and then I saw Phoebe on set and I was like what there's something about this moment I really I like it I just there's something that's not quite I don't know it needs to be freer or something and I can't even remember the note because clearly it just went in and I just and I just did it but she'd just given the most simple explanation for it and I thought oh oh that's it sure and that's why you're a genius because you gave me that note and now I feel much better about this scene so yeah it was a very free-flowing Carrie was you know very open to just whatever you want to do just just do that in this scene to see what comes Barbara was open to having loads of conversations it was a very collaborative set what would you say the future is for your character for this character if you're allowed to speculate you know what if I knew I would I would say, but I actually (laughs) do not have the foggiest. All I know is just about what happens in this film. We have to see next next week what what um what happens in it. But I I don't know. She she could return. She could not return. She could, yeah, just have this and just have her little moment in the franchise, and and that's it. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see. I'm speaking to you before the premiere. How are you feeling about the premiere, which I'm excited about going to, so I can't imagine how you feel. I feel excited. It kind of feels like graduation, I guess, because <laughs> it's been a couple of years since since we wrapped this. It, it, it feels like um, that anticipation, almost like handing handing like your gift to the world and watching the ripple effects, which I've never been able to do with, you know, with a film like this, with a character like this, I, I just feel really, really grateful and excited for people to experience it with us, you know, together in a cinema with an audience. I'm very excited, as you can tell. <laughs> as you should be. <laughs> uh, as you say, it's been a long time coming. Is there anything else from a feminist aspect that you wanted to highlight without spoilers for our listeners? All of the women in this film experience a variation of emotions that I think are really important for women to to pay attention to, to allow themselves, and men, to allow themselves to really, really honour the emotions, really honour the fear, honour the the questioning of yourself, and honour the the tears sometimes, you know, Life is hard, and I think if you try and bottle everything up, it it absolutely does not help, and it doesn't teach people how to treat you. So I think the women in this film teach others, especially Nomi, how to treat them, which is beautiful, and I've taken that on myself in in order to really stay level-headed and stay grounded in life. We should honour every, everything that we come with from, from nature and from history and allow our young people to do so too. You mentioned If I, and I think that's coming onto the TV, isn't it? We'll be able to see that. Yes, October the 16th. Yep. Amazing. And um, what else have you got going on that we can look forward to? Oh, I am training at the moment in preparation for a film called The Woman King, uh, starring Viola Davis, uh, John Briega, directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood. And yeah, we're going to be shooting that in a, in a couple of months. And it's going to be about 
female warriors and empowerment and a, a slice of history uh, presenting just how powerful our history is and uh, just how much we should be honing in on that in the modern day. It's going to be very, very, a very, very big ride to shoot it and an even bigger ride to watch. So I look forward to everyone seeing it. That sounds like one for girls on film, if ever I heard oh, one. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I'll speak to you then too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Anything else? We've got Matilda coming up as well, I heard. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I just wrapped Matilda, which is, oh, again, you know, representing young children and empowering yourself and no matter what you come with that that should be honored too playing Miss Honey who I grew up watching and man again I'm sure we'll speak in the future but this Miss Honey comes with a lot of the things that I I discuss regularly just really balancing your mental health and your 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 anxiety your, your nervousness what what your traumas do and where they lie and how they impact your everyday life, but also channeling that into the most innocent human beings in the world, children. So yeah, it's been another ride experiencing that shoot. And I also look forward to everyone watching that next Christmas, I believe. Amazing. Well, I'm sure we'll speak to you soon. Meantime, best of luck with the film. And thank you so much for joining us once again, Lashana. Thank you. Lovely to speak Thanks to you. Thanks a lot. Harder to tell the good from bad, villains from heroes these days. We used to be able to get into a room with the enemy. Now they're just floating in the ether. She still loves you. Did you know that? What is it? You don't know what this is. Is she one of them? I don't know her at all. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. That was Lashana Lynch. Now, regular listeners may remember that we dissected the film Tenet from a feminist perspective, focusing on the female characters. We've decided to do the same thing with No Time to Die, but to mix things up a bit, we thought we'd get the perspective of the man who gave the film five stars in The Guardian. So joining me now is Peter Bradshaw, along with Metro critic and Girls on Film regular, Yurushka Ivanzada. Well, welcome back, Larushka, and welcome, Peter, to Girls on Film. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, it's a rare treat. Um, now, Peter, we'll be getting into detail um, later with minor spoilers, but how would you summarise your feelings on the latest Bond film? My feelings about the latest Bond film are very enthusiastic, kind of relieved, um, sort of, as ever, slightly embarrassed at enjoying it quite as much as I did. Um <laughs> I, I sense sometimes with James Bond films that they're like a party that you possibly enjoy a hell of a lot at the time, but then thinking back, you think, actually, was it that great? But um, And I'm conscious of the fact that they, the Bond films date more than more than anything in the world. But I certainly really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a big event. It's sort of what I wanted from cinema in some degree. I know it's naff to say that out loud, but it was a big event. It was big cinema. It was ambitious and mad. And it had an element of melodrama, which I think is really the key nowadays to understanding James Bond films. Interesting. Melodrama. Well, maybe we'll come back to that in a little bit. Larushka, what were your overall feelings on this one? Well, I mean, God, it was such a tough gig for them to do this film, wasn't it? I mean, the weight of expectation was just extraordinary, not just because of all the like the chequered production and then... Um, 
yeah, obviously the pandemic delaying everything, the fact that it then single-handedly was expected to save the entire global cinema industry uh, meant that when you went into this, you're like, okay, if it's just not a total turkey, then well done, it's sort of succeeded. Um, and uh, coupled with that, obviously, because we're talking about girls on film, it had that expectation that it was somehow meant to also uh, have a more modern lens on women and female representation in Bond. And I have to say, on, on that side of things, I was kind of... A bit disappointed and yet cheered at the same time. I feel kind of like quite, uh, yeah, equivocal about it. Uh, obviously to be discussed, uh, but it wasn't the sort of, it wasn't my best Bond. I don't think this is like a defining fantastic Bond, but it did the job. And given that we expected it to perhaps sink and not be great, it, it was pleasing. It was a pleasing Bond. Yeah, I think I was relieved that it was good. It was definitely good. I mean, there was definitely things that I could nitpick about it. Um, mm. And I think it was a little bit slow in parts and actually too long and wasn't keen on the villain. But um, I do think it was a spectacular watch and that people should go and see it in the big screen. Yeah. All that said, as you said, Larushka, we like to go into this from a feminist lens. And I think it's really interesting, um, as we did in our Tenet episode, to look at the female characters and how they relate to the central male character. So we've just heard an interview from Lashana Lynch, who I interviewed before I saw the film. So let's start with her character, Nomi. I mean, she's smart, she's funny, she takes no nonsense. She's initially a rival to Bond, but Larushka, your review said that you felt she's a little underserved. What did you mean by that? Okay, well, obviously I'm thrilled that she exists and that she's in this film and that she's not a Bond girl. She's definitely a toe-to-toe equal uh, with Daniel Craig's 007. Are we allowed to say that she steps into his shoes? Yes, I think it's it's out there that she's the new 007. That was announced before. She's the new 007. She's not the new James Bond, which is very important. No. So she's not the new James Bond, but she is the new 007. He has to retire. Well, he's retired. I don't know. Every film he seems to retire and then come back again. But in this one, he <laughs> retires. And she, he, she steps into his shoes as the new 007. So she's definitely... She's definitely, you know, she's on a par with him. She's not. And what I really actually liked is that it's not, there are no kind of cheesy or awkward sexist gags about it's a woman coming in or, in fact, yeah. any mention of the fact that she's a black woman coming in. You know, that's that's not part of the script. And although often I was sort of struggling to see where Phoebe Waller-Bridge's influence was on this script, I was wondering if it was perhaps the fact that it's not mentioned. Maybe there was mention of it and they just thought, if we just take it out, that's actually much more powerful. Yeah, I think, I wonder if, I wonder if you're right. I wonder I wonder if she went through it taking out ridiculous lines. Yes, exactly. Like you could have just imagined a previous incarnation what that would have been like. <laughs> but can you imagine you know, like a Roger Moore bond if you had a woman coming in and taking his place? I mean, we'd just all be now cringing the thought yeah. of what he might say because Roger wouldn't know he wouldn't know how to handle that at all he would, he would not and he would be <laughs> yeah. like oh you're going to be running around in heels or do you need to powder your nose mm. right now or something like that there'd be all <laughs> yeah. of that and they didn't have that And but having said all that I was like they felt like they got her in and they just didn't know what to do with her and I wanted to have a bit more yeah banter between her and Bond or just a bit that's where I wanted the Phoebe Waller-Bridge script to be. I wanted there to be a bit more like, oh, ho-ho, to and fro, or just a little bit more character on her part. I mean, she's great. She's got great screen presence, but... I was a little bit disappointed that it wasn't more kind of close-up action or close-up martial arts. Interesting, Anna de Armas had more close-up martial arts yeah. sequences than, than Lashana Lynch. She was strong, very charismatic, and she looked like a real sort of ass-kicking action heroine. Yeah. Uh, I, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's a, a qualification that... Weirdly, it was Anna de Armas who had more, 
she had more sort of taekwondo and uh, kickboxing scenes, really, and in a way that you would have thought um, Nomi would, because Nomi is set up at the beginning as more of a as more of a of, a, of an athletic kind of martial arts mm. person. There's something I need to tell you. I bet there is. Uh, I would say Leia Sedu was actually a very strong character because she, from the very beginning, has an emotional claim on James Bond that she never relinquishes. In that she is, well, I've, I've got to be very careful about spoilers, but she has a very important emotional claim. And that in and of itself establishes her center of gravity is very close to him, very close, in a way that I don't think I've ever seen before. That it's not a question of, oh, how big of a role is it? How good, how, how well written is it? Has she been given enough funny lines or good, good lines or decent lines? She's actually going quite an important part. And Lea Seydoux is such a formidable presence on screen. She has that incredibly opaque address to the camera, which it always implies that something is going on behind her eyes, some some residue of contempt or, or predatory concern or something is happening. And I, I love that about her. I thought she was I thought she was great in it. That's interesting because I Peter would disagree because I love seeing Leia Sadu in French films, but somehow when I watch her delivering dialogue in English, it doesn't resonate very well with me. It's not her accent, it's just it you know, or maybe it's the type of films that she's in. But also I think there's zero chemistry between her and Daniel Craig, and that's a problem for me. I thought it was I I liked their relationship. I'm not sure it was a sort of sexy relationship, but I liked it. I thought it was a rather usurious relationship. I thought I thought there was quite a bit of chemistry between them. I wonder if there's a part of you finding her attractive that then you're able to put yourself in Bond's shoes. Do you think that's part of it? Or I don't know. I, perhaps I find Daniel Craig attractive. <laughs> Am <laughs> I right in thinking that Leah Sadu uh, and Do as Dr. Madeline Swan is the only returning yeah. Bond girl in 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 a in the next film in another film because normally they die or disappear at the end credits. So she's uh, the only one to come back. Like I, I mean, I know is, Vesca yeah. Lind is obviously referred to, but she doesn't actually survive. No, she does. See does she? Out. You see that <laughs> terrible photograph of her on the gravestone. <laughs> What's that's like a, a sort of like publicity shot, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> our IMDb headshot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but but that is really interesting. I mean. I'd be interested to hear, Lurushka, your thoughts on, on Leia Sidhu's character in this. Well, I went with my husband to see this Bond film and he 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 disagreed, just to give another male pers heterosexual male perspective on this. He was just sort of like, she just seemed quite a diffident character. He didn't really sort of see why she, of all the Bond girls, would be special enough to come back and have this special hold on Bond. He just didn't feel that. But again, this is a subjective thing. And perhaps mm. it's to do with her being a good actress and her character. Maybe she's playing this character mm. who we find out in the film is incredibly wounded, can't trust anyone, has, you know, maybe mm. she's in character, but it just didn't feel big enough and sort of magnetic enough on, on screen for me. And there's also for me the issue that she does spend this film and the whole of Spectre being saved the entire <laughs> She starts off yeah. with Spectre being this psychiatrist in this strange institute and yes. uh, like as soon as she's left her office she's being manhandled by heavies and then Bond has to save her and then this, you know, she's her life is, well, I don't know if you can say, I think you can at the beginning, her life is in danger in a flashback we see to her being a child mm. so obviously you know, she survives and she's being saved by someone else. Someone says, I've saved your life and it's all about the fact that she's being, she's being saved. Um, she's not a hopeless person, she's obviously highly professional and mm. 
etc etc but yeah she's there to be still the damsel in distress though there are three bond girls three bond women can we say girls three blonde bond ladies women i know we're girls on film but yeah i think bond (laughs) women is more acceptable these days i mean i've been an incredible bore in the past on the subject of why isn't the villain a woman i'm the only person in the world Mm. that cares about that why oh why are we beating our brains out about oh should james bond be a woman easily the dullest question in british journalism incidentally is nothing is more is more valueless as a subject for media debate but i always think well oh goodness very interesting but why not make the villain a woman what's wrong with doing that am i am i the only person that cares about well they have a lot of women who double cross bond obviously um over the years but that's the honey trap but i think that's a really good point i would love to see a female villain and she would have been much more interesting than bless him rami malik i think in in this film (laughs) he's pretty standard isn't he pretty standard villain i see i didn't mind rami malik i don't know that's that's the kind of that's the consensus that suddenly coagulate there are two great consensuses about james bond i've noticed one is Oh, Spectre, the last film, what a load of rubbish. And <laughs> Rami Malek, what a load of rubbish. I disagree with both. I like Spectre and I thought Rami Malek was very good. The thing that no one wants to admit is that most people want things to happen to them. We tell each other lies about the fight for free will and independence, but we don't really want that. We want to be told how to live and then die when we are not looking. People want oblivion, and a few of us are born to build it for them. So here I am, their invisible god, sneaking under their skin. I thought he was very insinuating and unpleasant, um, uh, insidiously submissive to James Bond. Uh, a kind of creepy beta male who was always sort of smirking and that. I thought he was good, in my humble opinion. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, we both went a bit quiet there. I was thinking it was when he was saying he was insidiously submissive. Because you're so wrong, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, tell you, I did have slight issues with the fact that he's this disfigured villain. Like, oh, he has to be villainous and therefore he's disfigured, he's facially disfigured in some way. That made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. There is something in that, that making both villains disfigured. I think you're absolutely and so, right about making a, a, a villain female. That's brilliant, Peter. I don't know why. Yeah, I've never well, I'm the only person in the world that, that talks about this. I used to. I used to every Bond film <laughs> from the Pierce Brosnan era. I used to say that, and nobody I mean, never listened to you. Nobody Come on, listened Barbara to Bradley. me. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel like we're going to put a, cl- a clip of you saying this on Twitter. I can see it now. One of our yeah. little audiograms. You calling for a female villain? Calling for a female expensive. villain? Because yeah. that's is is this equality? You know, in a way, like having a female villain is is the ultimate equality. Is it? Do you think? Like, I think it's the ultimate. Women as the, be the villain is so it's so important, isn't it? You know, all these you know big stars fighting at usually very classy foreign stars. Like Javier Bardem or yes. uh, or Mathieu Amalric in uh, the other much yes. dis- much despised film Quantum of Solace. But I, I think it's interesting on the on the the other great sexism point is sometimes the Bond franchise, for all its absurdity, and for all its specious attempts to get with the times, sometimes it seems to be doing more than than other genres. Isn't that because James Bond is this? He's held up as this. I mean, ridiculous as he is, aspirational ideal of mascul- British masculinity. So it's sort of, you know, that he's changing with the times. And... Maybe, but also I think he's absurd. I mean, I, I, I think just as 
Graham Greene said that it's only his sense of humour allows him to believe in God. I think it's only your sense of humour that allows you to believe in James Bond. And I've always t- taken it as something that's just entirely ridiculous. And I could never take it seriously uh, as part of my enjoyment. I, I don't know. I know what you mean. Like his arrogance is always is part of the fun of it in yeah. some ways. But but would you agree that obviously, you know, young people are going to see this and their minds are being shaped by the kind of representation that they see on screen and the dynamic and however sort of silly it is it's such a big thing yeah do we need to think harder about the representation on screen the idea that uh james james bond should be changed much more than it has been to stop uh, as it were misogyny in our society i i, I think it's um a censorious point of view which i think is we're expending quite a lot of our intellectual or liberal energy on something that isn't worth it, however vast a commercial enterprise it is. I think they've got better at what they have got better at. I agree if you change James Bond out of all shape, then Mm. he doesn't become James Bond. And he's a character that's always been behind his times, hasn't he? He's always a very conservative character. What's Mm. the film where you've got him saying the only way of listening to the Beatles is with your headphones on? Like, you know, just like the earmuffs. um, Yes, it's golf. And you're like, okay, so he was really uncool back then. He's just, he's not a woke character. He's not ahead of his plans. What they've got better at in these films is challenging his point of view. Though I have got a bit bored of every single film since Goldeneye, where Judi Dench goes, you're a dinosaur. And it's like every single (laughs) film, they kind of go, you're obsolete Bond and you are not in your time. You're like, oh my God, not again. Um, so, you know, at least he is, yeah, he's tra- like in the Lashana Lynch character in this film, it's sort of challenging the fact that, you know, he's, his, his time is passing and there's another world that's happening around him that is not, is, you know, he's not the, he's not ahead of his time. He's not the person that is held up within the films as the, the icon, you know, the hero, really. You don't like me, Bond. You don't like my methods. You think I'm an accountant. A bean counter more interested in my numbers and your instincts. The thought had occurred to me. Good. Because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. A relic of the Cold War. Whose boyish charms, though wasted on me, obviously appeal to that young woman I sent out to evaluate you. Point taken. Not quite, W7. If you think for one moment I don't have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I've no compunction about sending you to your death. But I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. I love the scene of him in retirement in Jamaica. There's a scene of him. He's gone fishing. There's an amazing scene where he comes out. I hope this isn't a spoiler. But there's a scene of him. He comes out and he's carrying two fish that he's caught. <laughs> now, that's the kind of deeply unlikely. I can't imagine Daniel Craig doing it. <laughs> All these things. James Bond is, is fishing. He's gone fishing. He hasn't even, he hasn't brought his smartphone with him or anything. He's just gone fishing. It's amazing. There's, there's also like, it's quickly followed by an entirely gratuitous shower scene of his, uh, his torso, which is totally yeah. objectified, which, you know, it's totally understandable. I think he spent an, it was a year getting in shape for this role. At the age of 53, if you look like that, you probably want to have a gratuitous shower scene of yourself being objectified <laughs> yeah. on screen. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've always sort of, and actually physically, when you know, in terms of sexism and Bond, I mean, he's always been, I don't know, has he always been? I mean, Daniel Craig era is much more, you expect much more of James Bond. I mean, you didn't have very many naked shots of, or torso shots of Roger Moore. You did have a few, but as yeah. you're getting on a, a bit. Few you had a few Sean Connery. You had a few of yeah. Sean Connery, but he was never mm. in shape. He always, no, looked, never shape, he always looked a bit overweight. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was before yeah. the era when men had to have abs. I mean, because yeah. <laughs> Sean Connery never had abs. I think even when he was a kind of Mr. Universe, I don't think he particularly had abs. That wasn't the kind of male 
that was the, the male the kind of ideal no, in those days. And certainly exactly. Roger Moore, I don't think ever. Um, Roger Moore always wore those kind of wonderful double-breasted kind of jackets, which which concealed his sort of gut. Yeah, safari suits. And <laughs> yes, which um, Ben suggested to me that Lashana Lynch's wardrobe in this is a bit of a nod to that. Did you, <laughs> did you, would you agree, like the safari suits and everything? Because yeah, um, her I costumes like were a bit along, along that. Lines. Yeah, I like and, that. Um, it's a sort of Roger Moore homage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on the subject, I think this is really important. What you've both brought up is that, you know, he is objectified. And then the women, the costumes, I think, are quite key in this because they're not necessarily super stereotypically sexy for the women, apart from, of course, Anna de Almas is required to wear a wonderful evening gown, you know, for the event she's going to. But a lot of the other times, you know, Leia and Lashana and, and Naomi look absolutely beautiful, but they're wearing slightly less kind of figure-hugging garments. Um, do you think that's a step forward? Do you think that's a deliberate thing? I, w- I would say that Daniel Craig's relationship with Anna de Armas in that scene is almost like kind of father-daughter, really. There didn't seem to... If you talk about yeah. a lack of chemistry, there was zero chemistry on that front. Uh, they, and they very deliberately kind of dialed that down, I thought. Whether they did it so successfully, I don't, I don't know. But there was that, I thought, quite amusing scene where... She gives him his tux and he asks her to turn around because he's shy in front of her. Uh, I quite like that. Uh, but I thought it was, I mean, clearly they had, to, they felt, well, we have to have something new. We have to have some glamorous new female character. And Anna Armas was kind of given that role uh, in a slightly klutzy way. But I didn't think there was any kind of creepy kind of leching going on from Daniel Craig, uh, unless I'm not picking it up. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, Lushka, did you feel any creepy leching from Daniel Craig? No, not really. But he's not a kind of creepy leching Bond, is he, really? I mean, that's what... He hasn't really been like that, which is great, obviously. I mean, he he sort of goes along for the ride, let's say, with Nomi Mm. initially. He's still presented as an opportunist, I would say, sexually speaking. Um, But possibly one who also in the back of his mind knows, because he's seen a few Bond films that most sexy women have probably <laughs> got another agenda up their sleeve. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but I but yeah, I still felt there was that sort of hint of the womanizer there, to be honest. Well, he's quite animalistic, isn't he, the Daniel Craig Bond? So he, he doesn't have that kind of sleazy playboy thing going on, which is always sort of, which has characterised Bond for quite a long time, that kind of a ladies' man. I mean, he is a ladies' man, but it's just more like... He's sort of sexually, animalistically driven. He's sort of sexually. He's kind of a sexually available Bond, but mm. but then I suppose the James Bond film has always had these women throwing him, throwing themselves at him. He's never had to do anything. Yeah, though he's usually fighting them off, isn't he? He's also <laughs> off, literally, most, literally, yeah. Um, before we wrap up, Peter, um, your review had an interesting line in it where you said, um, "This is a Bond who's unafraid of showing his feelings, like the old softy he's turned out to be." Um, now we're always celebrating on Girls on Film, you know, shows of male vulnerability, but perhaps particularly in a, in a franchise like this. Um, do you think that's the way that Bond's going? Are you happy about that? I I can't possibly com- comment on how Bond is going to go. I've got a feeling Bond is going to revert to something. Mu- I, if if I'm right, Bond is going to revert something wildly away from that. But I I was quite struck by Bond using the L word in this film. Again, I don't want to get engage in spoilers. I get into trouble for this sort of thing. But I was quite struck. And Daniel Craig, I think, is one of the few actors who could who could have a crack at it uh, using the L word and trying to be emotionally available uh, I, I think he could he is a very good actor um, and I, I was quite struck by that uh, but again 
I suppose I am... Everything I say about James Bond is within these inverted commas of, but not really, because it's a James Bond film. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, I, I, as, a, as, a, as a franchise, as a piece of intellectual property, it's like ABBA. It's absorbed the irony and gone beyond it. So nothing, you, 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 you can't really say, is, is he really emotionally available? Is, is he's, he's as emotionally available as James, as James Bond is going to get. Because right. he's a character which, who, which is like sort of Doctor Who. He regenerates and regenerates and regenerates in every in, in every single film. He's not subject to na- narrative change and narrative jeopardy that you might have with anybody. Even Harry Potter kind of gets older and things change. But unlike Doctor Who, he's probably not going to regenerate into a woman, Larishka, do we think? No, I think we've kind of gone beyond that now, haven't we? I, I, slightly. And I think they've done a brilliant job, this film, with kind of giving us a fe- the closest we'll get to a, a female 007. We have got a female 007, but we can't have a female James Bond. And I think it's been partly that desire for a female James Bond has been people, you know, women and girls growing up like I have and you have Anna, kind of wanting to see ourselves on screen in that role as a secret agent. Like, I wanted to be a secret agent. I don't want to be the Bond girl. Like, God, they have a pretty mm. rubbish time. Yeah. I want to be James Bond. And now we have different roles in different films and loads of different films. So I've got daughters who are 10 and 7 and they're growing up with all this female representation on screen that I never have or could have dreamt of at their age. So... So then they probably won't get as fixated on Bond. He'll just be one other character amidst other characters that they've grown up with. You know, they've got Ray from Star Wars. They've got, I mean, Wonder Woman is back, but in a much bigger role. They've got Black Widow. They've got increasing mm. amounts of, of female characters that they don't need they don't need to obsess as much as we have for decades and decades, <laughs> perhaps, about James Bond. Perhaps, it, you know, maybe it won't even last. I'm sure it will for the next 10 years. But, yeah, it just feels a bit reductive wanting... A James Bond, and as Peter yeah. says, you can't you can't go that far away from James Bond. Yeah. He's not James Bond if, if she's yeah, James what Bond. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. You are you. What you're talking about is moving away from James Bond to other things, and now there are other things, and yeah. now there are other things. It's about cultivating a larger. Uh, cultural and political context for everything, yeah. uh, which we, and, a, and a greater availability of of role models. As I say, I'm never I'm never entirely put the, the idea of role models and wanting to be like people. But yes, you're absolutely right. If you want to be a spy, then you don't want to be a Bond girl. Of course, you don't. Name, Bond. James Bond. So you're not dead. Hello, Q. I've missed you. It's the most valuable asset this country has. If you feel yourself losing control, I'm not going to lose. Control. James, you gave up everything for her. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of you. What is it? Was there anything else, um, either of you, that you wanted to bring up specifically from the kind of representation or feminist perspective for this film? I was wondering if you're going to touch on the, you know, the director's quote about him being basically a rapist or not. Yes, please. Let's talk about that. So Carrie, I thought, did uh, did a very good job generally directing this one. And I thought that statement was very um, revealing. Would yeah. you like to expand more? Uh, well, the, yeah, the idea that it was... I think he was re- referring particularly to a scene in Thunderball um, where Sean Connery, like, forces himself on this nurse. He, she tells him to put his arms in the air, uh, sort of holding his hands over his head, and then he brings them down and encircles her 
with them, like mm. grabbing her and then pulls him her towards him and kisses him, her forcibly. And she struggles and tries to get away and he won't let her get away. Mm. Um, and it did make me kind of go back and look at some of the other problematic scenes. I mean, Sean Connery's always been my favourite Bond. But as I sort of went back and looked over the sort of catalogue, a flick book of his worst moments, it really mm. did put me off him slightly. I mean, there's a bit in Goldfinger where he's forcing down Pussy Galore. I mean, the fact she's called Pussy Galore is bad enough. But yeah. in the hay barn and <laughs> yeah. basically forcing himself on her. There's another one in Diamonds of Forever, which is the first Bond I ever saw. And there's a sexy lady on the beach and she's just wearing a bikini. Um, she's like, is there something I can do for you? And he says, yes, there's something I'd like you to get off your chest. And he whips off her bikini yeah. and then strangles her with it. It's <laughs> just like, oh my God, this is like worse than I could yeah. possibly have even imagined. You know, it was actually She's a complete shocking. stranger. He's it just really basically was... assaulted a woman, yeah. a strange woman immediately. It was shocking. Yeah. I'm not being like all kind of, over... I don't feel I'm being oversensitive and snowflakey and woke about this. I was just genuinely like, um... This is just really, yeah, it's of another era, but it made me kind of think, gosh, I never even flinched at that at the time. And maybe he's not my favourite Bond anymore. There's a lot of odious stuff. Undoubtedly, for Canada's yeah. right, there's a lot of incredibly odious stuff. Uh, mm. And unfortunately, and again, here again, I, I would say there is something in, in Role Model. It, it inspired a kind of odious behaviour, I suspect, of loads of men in sort of golf club bars thinking that they were funny or stylish or amusing in ape, not, not so much getting away with this outrageous behaviour, but lots of tiny little, what we would now call microaggressions, tiny little homeopathic little bits of that James Bond in their attitude. Yeah, there's another one where he's by the pool speaking to Felix Leiter comes up and he's by the pool with some bikini clad lovely and he goes, hello Felix, and then he goes, Bye bye, Dink, to the woman. She's like, he's like, goes, he goes, man talk, and then slaps her bum. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that's a good, great example of what you're talking about, Peter. Like those say, like ho ho, that's just so locker room banter, eh? <laughs> that's the living end of it. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, there are lots of purely odious stuff in yeah. in those on those old James Bond films. On the yeah. other hand, it made me go, wow, we have actually come a long way, and you know, seeing No Time to Die and seeing how far it's come. That's that's a good thing. That's something to be celebrated, and in an entertaining way. It, didn't, it never feels preachy. No time to die. I think that's the other thing. You can now have fun with these female characters without feeling, yeah. like, oh, they're being so worthy. You know, they can be just yeah. female. No, characters. I, I absolutely agree. It's not. It's not at all preachy. You can see that the, the you can see that the adjustments, the recalibrations that have that have happened without it being without it being preachy. You can see the adjustments, yes. And I think it's very interesting what you guys were saying about maybe it's more about what Phoebe Waller-Bridge has cancelled out rather than added. Yeah, um, but maybe, yeah. I, I would like to see it continue because I do think it's important. I do would like to see bigger roles for the likes of Lashana Lynch in future Bond films, but we will see. Um, I'm sure mm. you're both very sick of being asked who you think should be the next Bond, but I'm going to ask you both anyway to wrap up. Do you have any uh, <laughs> any wishes, any dreams for those? Yeah, I think Piers Brosnan should be brought back. I think, you know, <laughs> now great. we're on to this new ageing Bond. Why not bring him back? Yeah, it's like bringing Tom <laughs> Baker back as Doctor Who. No, I, 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 Tom Hardy, I, I think, is the, is the only person oh. I think is the really... Again, he would be a nasty James Bond, uh, and in some ways, I think it would be interesting to have somebody who is not who is who has ma has made no accommodation with this. But I, I can't think of anybody who would be almost any other name is kind of a disappointment for me. 
but I think to Tom Hardy has to be the has to be the they've kind of written themselves into a corner with the end of this Bond which you'll well, see when have, people see it they? and I, I love Tom Hardy and I agree he'd be interesting as Bond but he, yeah he almost feels too similar to a Daniel Craig Bond and you need someone else thank goodness we're not the people we just have to be critical of the films we yeah. don't actually be creative about it I mean the one person who like is is around at the moment who I can totally imagine as Bond in the Pierce Brosnan mode would be Henry Golding who seems to be desperately auditioning yes. for Bond in every yes, single film true. he does and he's almost like such a blank canvas and such a, mm. as an actor. He's just so sort of, I hate to say bland, but he's quite bland. He is a <laughs> But, bit you bland. know, dashing. Uh, yeah. He's a non-white Bond, I suppose. He, I almost feel he's like the palate cleanser Bond. We could have like one movie of him and then work out the next direction because yeah. it's just so be intense the, where we've got to. He would be the laser bee. Yeah, he could be the laser bee. Send him in. He kind of is the laser bee. I like that. I, mean, I, I think, lots I of think he like would that. be I mean, Tom Tom Hiddleston, yeah. I think, will be will be interesting. I mean, I think he yeah. must have he must have thought about it. I mean, Barbara yeah. Broccoli and and uh, Michael Wilson must just spend all their time in absurdly secretive discussions with all these <laughs> all the people that we know about. Oh, definitely. Going I know Henry Cavill's on. been mentioned a lot. I still think he'd be good um, in an old school way. And I yeah. quite like Harris Dickinson if you're going to go younger. But listen, you guys have both been so fascinating to talk to about this. Um, Larushka, Peter, thank you both for joining Girls on Film. Thank, thank you. Have you ever flown one of these things before? Nope. Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you? If we don't do this, there will be nothing left to save. That was Larushka Ivanzada and Peter Bradshaw. No Time to Die is in cinemas now. It's a big week for cinema in general because the London Film Festival starts on the 6th of October 2021. There are tons of major films by women at the festival, including Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog, Eva Houston's Mothering Sunday, and Harry Whitliffe's True Things, and Harry's been shortlisted for the IWC Schaffhausen Award by a panel, including myself. There's also a selection of free events, both in person and online, supported by our friends Cole and Karen Needham. Cole, as you may know, is the founder and CEO of the Internet Movie Database. There's also an experimental arts and new media strand called London Film Festival Expanded. Go to whatson.bfi.org.uk forward slash LFF for more info and keep an eye on our socials for more hot LFF tips. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Girls on Film and share it with your friends if you like what you hear. Girls on Film is an HLA production which is brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Eliana J, assistant producer Heather Dempsey, principal partners Vanessa Smith and Peter Brewer. I've been Anna Smith and I was joined by Lashana Lynch, Larushka Ivanzada and Peter Bradshaw. Thank you lovely listeners, stay safe. Why you shot him? Yeah, well, everyone tries at least once. <laughs>